like on the daily. <clears throat> Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Classy Chicks podcast. We have a very, very, very exciting and special guest today, and that is Abby Johnson, the one and the only. Um, so, Abby, I interned for you over the summer last year, and it was awesome. And actually, I have a friend who's interning for you now, which I think is really cool. Um, so that's exciting. Yeah. Um, and so anyways, Abby and I met, became friends, and and that is basically where we are. And so she yeah. agreed to come on the podcast, and it's going to be a fantastic episode but as you guys know, before we hop into another episode, we have to share our classy and trashy moments of the week. So Savannah, what's your classy moment of the week? Yeah, I'm excited. We're uh, we're here interviewing um, the one and only Abby Johnson, and we're going to get to hear her classy and trashy moments too. So this will be a fun episode. I'll get the tea on Abby. Um, <laughs> my classy moment has to be, I was planning a surprise birthday party for one of my best girlfriends, and we wanted to make it like very feminine very pretty like a picnic on the beach and I'm so bad with surprises and I was so afraid that she was gonna find out but she did not find out it was beautiful everybody was wearing like beachy dresses and she was so surprised so that was really good that went well and that's probably my classy moment of the week Ooh, I feel like that's a really good one um I saw it on your Instagram and it did look it could have been my trashy moment though because I was so afraid I was gonna ruin it but did you no, not at all. Oh, so was, then it's it not great. trashy. You're good. You're good. Yeah. Um, I had a classy moment and then I forgot it. So we're going to come up with a new one, Um, I guess, in that case. I had a trashy moment. Maybe I'll just say that. Um, my Just say your moment, trashy moment. Yeah. And then I'll remember my classy moment. We'll figure it out. Um, My trashy moment is the fact that I have an obscene amount of cornstarch in my hair. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's like, it's bad and I genuinely don't remember when I showered last it was within the last few days but I gen- I genuinely don't remember when I showered last and my hair is feeling but your it. hair still looks fabulous I that's yeah. I literally complimented Which her hair this like morning. why we kind of hate you so it's <laughs> like we love you but kind of hate you too because your hair still looks amazing well I I appreciate that it feels like I don't know. Cornstarch and hair feels weird. So I can like, oh, it's, mm, I'm glad it still looks good. But yeah, I was like, oh, I have got to, sh-. and I meant to shower last night, but I got on phone calls until like 1045 and I was like, eh, I'm going to bed. See ya. So I got a shower today, but I don't have time. So <laughs> that's my trashy moment. So we can go back to get Savannah's trashy moment, or if Abby, you've come up with either a classy or trashy moment, what are you thinking? Okay. Let's see. Um, Okay, my classy moment was um, dressing up last night and going on a date with my husband of 18 Ooh, years. 18. So that was really fun. And I have to say, I know a lot of young women watch this and listen to this, but when you get married, continue to date your husband. So I date my husband and it's really fun. And we got dressed up last night and went on a date. That sounds like so much fun. Where did you guys go? We went to a local restaurant and I have to say the food wasn't great, but the company was great. The company was good. The company was good. good. So that was, yeah. So that was fun. And I like, you know, I like dressing up and still doing stuff like that with my hubby. So that's so fun you know it wasn't just like messy bun yoga pants going out it's like still nice to dress up and do 
fun stuff. So. Oh, I bet you looked great. That sounds like a good time. It was, it was fun. That yeah, sounds fun. It's a good time. <laughs> and it's nice because I have, because Grace is old enough, you know, she can watch the kids and stuff. So we to do it that much because you know we don't want to be that family that's like oh yeah our oldest is parenting all of our kids you know like we don't <laughs> want to be that family yeah but um but like we you know we go out at least once a month and and she usually watches the kids so oh, that's so nice it's nice yeah that's and awesome. she likes doing it because I'm like you know what one day you're gonna be a wife and a mom exactly so this is good practice, good practice. You know? exactly yeah. it's practice yeah, yeah, I'm 100%. so grateful for the for the times that I because I was the oldest of five. There were five boy, boys under me, and I'm so grateful for that. Like, if I didn't have that experience, I don't. I feel like I would be a mess right now. You know, it's just it's such a blessing when you have younger siblings built in that you can like learn how they grow. It's beautiful. So yeah, yeah. I was kind of at a weird spot because I'm right in the middle. I'm the oldest at home now. Um, so, but I'm not home ever, so I don't babysit that much, but, <laughs> but I do watch my nieces and nephews and that's good. No, I watch my siblings too. Um, yeah, I feel like mom's giving some responsibility to the oldest girl helps in helping them become good wives. It was funny though. Cause the other day my mom said faith is going to make a better wife than I am. So <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Faith is like the sweetest. Um, so that was funny. Um, I remember my classy moment. Um, I got to save one though, cause we have to record another episode. So I'll save that one for later. <laughs> but my, my classier moment of this week is that, so Connell, my boyfriend and I have completely different interests. He's like math whiz engineer, that kind of brain. And I'm like pro-life activist and obsessed with babies kind of thing. So completely, completely different. Um, and my classy moment though, is that I took him to K1 speed, which is like this go-karting place or whatever. And mm-hmm. I- did it and I didn't even do that bad like I I beat I got like fourth place out of like 15 people I was so happy um and we had to wear the pink little socks on our head or whatever um but for me it was the effort that I put into trying out his thing and I genuinely liked it it was really fun that's nice it's a good time and you have to do that I know like I hate watching movies like hate it I'd rather do anything like I hate watching movies and I know I had a movie come out about me, but I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> That's I know, funny. I know, I know. That's but funny. Actually, your movie is one of the only movies I actually rewatch. I normally don't rewatch movies. And sometimes I'll be like, you know what? I need to watch them unplanned. And so I I, I hate watching movies. And I've watched my movie like 150 times. So I hate <laughs> watching movies. Even sitting and watching my own movie, I was like, Ugh. Wait, is that weird I- for you to watch your own movie? I mean, kind of, yeah, kind of, yeah. but now I'm kind of used to it, but I just, I hate it. Cause I, the whole time I'm sitting there thinking I could be doing a million different things right now, instead of like mm-hmm. sitting here watching this movie, yeah. it's like a little <laughs> bit of my ADD, you know? And so, um, anyway, but I could binge a, like a six hour thing on Netflix. Like I, so it's like a weird, I, okay. So here's the thing. I've decided that <laughs> I need the arc of the show to happen mm. in like a 40 minute time oh, span, right? Like sense. I need it to come to like to a plot and end in like 40 minutes in like 30 to 40 minutes. 
in like a two hour movie, it's like too slow. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So anyway, some my, dog is, are just... my dog is barking. She's oh, kind of, my dog is kind of stupid. She barks at everything. <sighs> um, so anyway, but yeah, like, so that, so I could like binge for six hours because it's like constant, like up and down, up and down, oh. up and down. But like in a movie, it's like too, too long. You know what I'm saying? So does Doug like watching movies? He loves watching movies. And so if I go to the movie with him, it's really a sacrifice for me. <laughs> But I do it, you know, because I love right. it. So the fact that you did that for your boyfriend, like that's, you know, that's sweet. Uh, and that's so funny because the opposite for us, because I, I can, I can enjoy a movie. He hates movies, so that's just funny that you said that because he's the same way. But I made yeah. him watch Harry Potter with me the other day, and it was a good time. So it was a good time. Yeah, yeah. I do Harry like Potter. Harry Potter. I know it's so. a good one. We watched the fifth one. I was like, oh, I haven't seen these in years. Um, so that was my classy moment, my trashy moment. Savannah, do you have a trashy moment? Uh, yes. My trashy moment is kind of a continuation from last week. I've been trying to make sourdough for like the past three weeks and I am just terrible at it. I don't know what is wrong with me. My roommate is amazing. She makes these beautiful loaves. I used to be able to make sourdough in Illinois, but now that I'm in Florida, I think it's something about like the humidity or something that is being a problem. So I just, I'm trying a new recipe this morning and I'm using her sourdough starter. So hopefully that works. Otherwise I just, I don't know. I'm cursed to never make sourdough. Good so that's luck. my trashy moment because I keep having and I made jam over the weekend because we went to strawberry festival. And so I have all this jam that I want to use on sourdough bread. And I keep making these loaves that are just like they're not terrible, but they hardly rose. It just doesn't look like sourdough. So that's my continued trashy moment. I don't really think that's trashy though. It is hard to make sourdough. <laughs> it's just <laughs> annoying because I feel like it should. I've watched so many videos. So many people I know make these beautiful loaves. And I'm just like, I just want to be able to do it. Because I feel like once I get it, I'll know how to do it. I saw a lady <laughs> painting on yes, sourdough. Same. Oh, that was I saw beautiful. That too. I was like, that, that's nice. Oh, There's an Instagram account that I follow that, that the lady paints sourdough and it's beautiful. Oh my gosh. Well, so embarrassing. My dad's birthday, maybe this is another trash, but it was this weekend and I made him a no bake cheesecake. Um, and it was, it tasted good and everything, but we couldn't get it out of the pan. How do you get a no bake cheesecake? Like, <laughs> how does that work? I don't, I genuinely <laughs> don't know how I messed up that bad. So we were talking outside of church and my mom was telling some people about it or I was or something. And I was like, if this is on my baking skills. And she was like, hope it wasn't even baking. I was like, oh, that's <laughs> bad. So, you know, what? you funny. enjoy your sourdough because your girl can't that's even do funny. a no bake cheesecake. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, Abby, do you have a trashy moment? Okay. My trashy moment. Uh, my trashy moment is, oh, I know that um, I went to a restaurant with, um, my son. Um, oh, wait, I actually have two that involve my son Fulton okay. and, um, Fulton is constantly keeping me humble. So he's our three-year-old. And, um, so yesterday I went to Chick-fil-A with him and, uh, he, it was just the two of us and he I was like, okay, I'm going to get some work done and he's going to play like in the little, you know, play area or whatever. And he comes out of the play play area and he has no pants on. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, Fulton, <laughs> oh where gosh. are your pants? 
<laughs> like, I ju- like, why are you naked from the waist down? Like, and, <laughs> and, and I said it like really loud. Like I was like, well, where are your pants? <laughs> and all the parents then in Chick-fil-A are like cracking up, dying, laughing. And so that was like a little trashy um, that That's my funny. child was half naked in Chick-fil-A. Then um, we're potty training Fulton. And so, and like boys are, I don't know, like my boys have been hard to potty train. And so, um, so they're just kind of like, well, why would I want to pee in a toilet when you just change my diaper for me? That would be ridiculous. So, um, <laughs> we are trying to potty train him. And so he had underwear on and we were in a restaurant a few days ago and I look over and the booth is like wet. There's like pee on the booth and he's peed all over himself in the booth. And then I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I'm like leaning down to get something. And I look over and he's taken all of he's naked in, in the booth. Like pee in Chick-fil-A too. (laughs) Like wiener out in the booth, like buck naked. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. And this is like a nice restaurant. (gasps) No. Oh my gosh. My child is naked and there's pee in the booth. Oh so, my goodness. Both both of my trashy moments in, involve my naked three-year-old. Oh one my gosh. with pee, one without. So I yeah. Well, who knows about the first one there? <laughs> so I'm so I'm that mom. <sighs> I, I feel like we've experienced the same thing. Dudes are harder to potty train. I, I feel like that's very true. I only remember Luke and Leo, but I remember it being tough for both of them. They were both like eight. Just joking. They weren't actually eight, but I just remember it being tough. I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> I figured like they won't go to college still in diapers. So I yeah I about it too much. <laughs> they probably won't even go to kindergarten in diapers. So they'll be fine. No, yeah. I, just, I try not uh, to worry about it. Well, good luck for you. Um, yeah, I feel um, like boys are funny because it's like they don't, that kind of stuff doesn't phase them. Like little boys. Because like they'll get mud all over themselves. So, like it doesn't phase them, you know? Well, if they're like have naked, if they Charlie. have pee all over themselves. Yeah, yeah. they don't Why? Oh, I would say you don't, you have not met my niece, Charlie. Charlie. Oh, she is, does the same thing? She's crazy. She is a bad <laughs> woman. Like, ah, uh, she's crazy. So, oh, that's so fun. Um, So guys, we've done our classy and trashy moments. So now I got to ask all the questions because this is, um, kind of like an interview except it's more chill than that um abby what i guess kind of what is like an overview of your story obviously i would like to sit and talk for eight hours but we don't have that kind of time zoom will kick me out um so what is kind of like an overview of your story especially like your two different conversions your conversion to being pro-life and then your conversion to catholicism yeah i mean my conversion to being pro-life um I mean, most people know that story, I guess. Um, But yeah, I mean, I worked at Planned Parenthood for eight years. was a clinic director there. Left in uh, 2009 after witnessing an ultrasound-guided abortion take place on a 13-week-old baby. Um, Left. Didn't didn't anticipate um, ever going public with my story, but Planned Parenthood sued me. And they uh, tried to get a gag order against me so I wouldn't be able to tell my story. That obviously failed. But when they when they sued me, that created like a media interest. So the media was like, well, what what are you trying to prevent her from saying? 
basically like what what do you not want her to tell the public why are you trying to silence her and so that created this like interest um in my story and uh so that's when I really started telling it publicly and I've been doing that ever since and then when I when I left Planned Parenthood I we had been Episcopalian I grew up Baptist and then when I started working at Planned Parenthood um the Baptist church I'd been a part of, they were pro-life. And I was like, well, that's not going to be a, a good fit. So we started going to the Episcopalian church, the Episcopalian church of America. They are very, very pro-abortion. So at that time, uh, the, the head Bishop, so, you know, there's not a Pope in, in the Episcopal church, but the, the top, the top dog of the Episcopal church is a Bishop. And at that time, the head bishop of the Episcopalian church was a woman named Catherine Ragsdale. And she was uh, the head of uh, a national abortion organization. And so they're very, very pro-abortion. So I thought, well, this is the perfect place for me then, right? Because I'm running a Planned Parenthood. So we started going to the Episcopal church. You know, our priest was very for abortion all of the people i went to church with they were all planned parenthood supporters very for abortion so we went there for years and then when i decided to leave planned parenthood and and become publicly pro-life they were like oh you know you don't you don't fit in here you shouldn't you know you're not welcome in the episcopal church anymore and uh which was fine but um we knew we couldn't we, we knew we didn't want to go there anymore anyway um, all my new friends were, you know, Catholic, uh, all my new pro-life friends were Catholic. And so they started inviting us to mass and we started going just really kind of thinking we'll go to shut them up, uh, because we didn't think we would ever become Catholic. And, uh, we went and we just really found this peace within us after just going one time. And it was enough that we thought we want to find out more about this more about um this feeling that we have every time we enter the church and so i started doing a lot of reading i started reading you know early church fathers and um i read a book uh by carl keating and uh it's called uh, i think it's called catholicism versus fundamentalism or the other oh, way around. I had to read that for school. Yeah. And it was so good. And that prompted me to continue reading. And I just thought after I kept reading, I just thought, I mean, this has to be true. You know, everything that I'm reading, it, it has to be true. And it was really, for me, it was like apostolic succession and, you know, the writings of the early church fathers and early church history. And, and that was really kind of what did it for me. My husband he read Theology of the Body and he read Humanae Vitae. And, and it was it was really that that pushed him over the edge. So um, he was like, mm, I don't care about early church history. And like that was not, that didn't appeal to him, right? Like we have two completely different minds. So it's cool um, that they came together though. Yeah. And, uh, and so uh, anyway, so yeah, totally different reasons, but we both, you know, were like, this is what, this is what is going to do it for us. And so we came into the church 
Easter of 2012. And uh, it's been beautiful. It's been very healing for our marriage. And uh, now we have eight kids. We came into the church with one and now we have eight. So it's been amazing. Oh, eight. Oops. I said seven earlier. My bad. Eight. (laughs) (laughs) We, We have the same family. Okay. That's awesome though. So when you were in school, um, college, um, where obviously that's a really impressionable time. Um, and for, for a lot of people, a lot of people change either for the worse or for the better in college. And, um, I hate to say it, but, um, it sounds like it kind of, you kind of changed for the worse while you were in school. Yeah. Um, yeah. how would, how would you, uh, or what advice would you give to young women, um, who are going to school, whether that's high school or college, um, or in a work environment or something like that, where it's it's difficult to stand up for your beliefs, um, but to make sure that they don't choose a path that is harmful to their, you know, souls. So I think, I mean, you know, I think you need to be grounded going in. So, you know, I really, I really wasn't, and that, that wasn't anybody's fault. It wasn't my parents' fault. It wasn't anybody's fault necessarily. I grew up in a very different time uh, than what you guys are growing up in. Like I didn't have the internet. I didn't have a cell phone when I went to college. Um, I sound like a dinosaur, but like I, I didn't. So, um, you know, we had encyclopedias. I mean, that's, that's how we did our research. You know, now you guys have the internet, you guys have social media. Um, you guys have, information at your fingertips, right? And so you guys need to use that information. You guys need to know the facts, know the statistics, um, be ready, be ready to confront untruths when you see them, when they come at you. For instance, I was just at CPAC last week and I'm about to go up and, and speak uh, I spoke at CPAC and I'm I'm in the speaker's lounge and there was this Jewish doctor that was there. And um, I mean, he's obviously conservative. He's like backstage at CPAC. He like was a platinum whatever. So he's, he's back there in the VIP area. And so he immediately, like he comes in hot, right? Like I'm, I'm about to go on stage and he like comes up to me and he's just like, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm a pro-life OB-GYN, but, you know, um, I just believe that the way that we're framing abortion is wrong, you know, and there are times when abortion is needed. I mean, like he comes right out of the gate, like coming at me like that. And I'm like, okay, like when, when, when is abortion needed? And he's like, well, there are times when, you know, when a woman's life is in danger and she has to have an abortion. And I'm like, okay, so you're telling me you have to kill a baby. You have to dismember a baby before you deliver it in order to save a woman's life. Yes, yes. There are times where you have to do that. And I'm like, well, I think that's BS. I think you don't because I have talked to literally hundreds of pro-life OBGYNs that have delivered cumulatively hundreds of thousands of babies. And they all tell me that that's a lie. They all tell me that that's not true. So I'm going to, I'm going to look you in the face and I'm going to tell you that you're telling me a lie because I'm going to believe all of their cumulatively hundreds of years of experience compared to yours. And I'm going to say that what you're telling me is not true. And he's like, well, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm just telling you what I've seen as a pro-life OB-GYN. And I'm like, well, I'm telling you that it's false. 
And I said, and you know what? And I said, well, so then do you do the DNA? Do you do the actual dismemberment then if it's your patient and you're telling me that she needs a life-saving DNA? then do you do it? And he goes, oh, well, no, I, I, I send her to someone else to do the DNA." And I said, why? If it's life-saving and it's your patient, why don't you perform the DNA?" And he goes, oh, I, I would never do an abortion. And I said, I said, well, why not? He goes, well, I think abortion is unconscionable. What? I said, so you're telling me though, that it's necessary. You're telling me that abortion is necessary in some cases, but you won't do the deed. So you are sending that sin off to another one of your colleagues to do it but it's somehow necessary. And I said, you know what that makes you? I said, that makes you a coward. And I said, you either start doing the abortions yourself or you're a coward. And I said, you do a DNA, you pull baby parts in the, you pull, you pull babies apart in the womb and you pile them up on a tray and you tell me how that's life-saving. And I said, then you come back to me. I said, you pile up baby parts on a tray and you come back to me. And I said, and if you don't, and you keep sending those off to another doctor, another one of your colleagues, then I'll continue to call you a coward. And I just walked off. Oh my gosh. We have to be armed with truth and we have to be willing to look people in the face and speak that truth everywhere Mm -hmm. we go. And that's where I fell short when I was in college. I didn't know the truth. And at that time in my life, I can tell you, even if I would have known the truth, I'm not sure I would have had the courage to go up against somebody who I saw as an authority figure and speak that truth to their face. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just because you're a young person, just because you're in college and you may be talking to a professor, you know, I'm 42, but I'm talking to this old doctor, right? I don't care because I know that I have the truth within me. I know that I have the truth on my side. And so I'm not going to cower down to someone who's speaking lies to my face. And so you have that truth, you have that authority. When you have truth within you, when you have truth in your heart, when you have truth in your soul, you automatically have authority over lies. And so you have to be bold and speak that. It doesn't matter if you're speaking to a professor. It doesn't matter if you're speaking to the dean of your freaking college. You have that authority and you have the, you have the presence of mind to speak that always and speak it boldly. And that's what I didn't have. I feel like that's no. really interesting yeah. that you said it because like that's something I've been struggling with lately is like, and and my dad told me like last week, I, I was explaining kind of this fear that I have of speaking up and saying something mostly because of my age. Um, because normally in the circumstances I'm in, I'm the youngest by at least 20 years. And, 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 and you know, there's that level of like being respectful to, you know, the adults and whatnot. Um, but I also, you know, have a truth and a passion and 
and all this stuff. And he was like, you need to disregard your age. Like if you have mm-hmm. truth and you have a mission, it doesn't matter how old you are. Just go and do what you're called to do. Um, but it's encouraging to hear because even this morning, I got up at like seven to go talk to my parents because I had had a discouraging phone call last night. And I was like, I don't know what to do. There's, you know, these adults are telling me what to do and everything like that, which I guess I am technically an adult, but still young. Well, but think about the youth of Christ, right? Christ was only 33 when he died. And think about all that he did in his youth, right? That's a very interesting point. He was so young and he was going out and he was doing all these amazing things. He changed the world and he was young. And so, you know, your youth shouldn't discourage you from going out and and setting our world on fire. I mean, I think that that gives you so much... Um, I, I think it gives you an advantage actually, mm-hmm. because you're speaking to the people who are going and having abortions. You're speaking to the youth. I'm like ancient. So you guys are the ones that are speaking to peers. You guys are the ones that do have the authority that I, I even don't. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I guess. Um, So, um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. One thing that I want to say is I put this quote on my wall, uh, this Bible verse the other day that is just kind of a reminder because it is hard. You know, it is hard when you're young and when you're always surrounded by, like Help was saying, people who are sometimes twice your age and you're very much the youngest. Uh, and it's from Timothy. It's from 1 Timothy. It says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live in your love, your faith, and your purity. That's 1 Timothy 4 verses 12. And I think that, I mean, that's important to remember, but it's also important to remember that like, it's not about us. If we know the truth, it's about speaking the truth and it's about letting the Holy Spirit speak through us. So it doesn't really matter who we are. It doesn't matter our age. Um, But I loved what you said, Abby, about how Jesus was young. Like I literally have never thought about that. Jesus was in his twenties when he was yeah. spreading the word of God. And people are like, Oh, you're in your twenties. You're supposed to be partying. You're supposed to be going off the deep end. Well, Jesus was in his twenties when he was literally sharing life-saving news. So that's a beautiful thing to think. About. It is funny how people perceive age. Cause like at work, like I I'm working at Kendra right now um, on top of like four other jobs and you know, most of the women working there who aren't seasonal are like 30 um, or older than that. And they're like, oh, you're such a baby. I'm like, yeah, but like, I'm starting a nonprofit and like, I, you know, I'm doing things. I'm sure I'm, yeah, I'm in high school. That's fine. But that doesn't mean that I'm incapable or or less than or something like that, just because I'm, I don't have as much life experience. I mean, I don't know. I think life experience is totally relative. Um, well, I mean, like, here's the thing. I was, I mean, I was running a Planned Parenthood in my 20s. You know, like I was, I mean, I was, you know, I got Planned Parenthood's Employee of the Year Award when I was in my 20s, right? Mm. So it's all, I mean, it's just, it's all about your skill. It's not about your age, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and if you're doing the right thing, right? Like I was doing the wrong thing and, you know, here I was being promoted and blah, blah, blah. So if you're doing the right thing, then think about how blessed you're going to be like, think about, I think like, what if I had been doing God's work? Like what if I had been doing God's will in my twenties? Like think about how much more successful I would have been. 
you know? Yeah. I really loved what you said though, about, you know, having the authority because we have truth. Like that's a really good way to look at it. Like we have the authority to say these things and to do these things, not based off our age, but off the fact that we are on the side of truth and stand by that. Exactly. Um, which is super encouraging. Exactly. Um, yeah. So if, if there's any women out here there who, and I know, cause I mean, I'm sure you talk to people all the time, Hope, who are just kind of like, I don't really know what to do because I'm young and like, no one trusts me. Well, first of all, I would say, like you said, Abby, like arm yourself with knowledge. You, mm-hmm. you have to educate yourself first because it is naive to go out there and try to like spread truth when you don't actually know what truth is. So find the resources find the materials, find the truth, find the laws in your state in regards to, you know, abortion, in regards to um, the pro-life movement, find those and learn those and then be confident in those. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, we just, we can't go out, go out there just like blind. Exactly. And, and that's when we start to look foolish, you know, is when we go out there. But, but I do also want to say, it's okay to say, I don't know. And I'm going to have to get back to you on that. You know, I do that a lot. Yeah. So, oh yeah. Don't, don't guess. Right. Like, <laughs> so, know the facts, know the truth. But then like, if somebody's like, well, what about this? Don't be like, well, let me make up an answer and sound confident. <laughs> right. Like don't, don't do that. Right. So like, it's okay to say, you know what, actually, I don't know the answer to that, but that's a great question. And I want to find out the answer because I'm also interested. So can I get your information? I'm going to find out the answer and I'm going to get back to you. That actually lends a lot of credit to our movement. It lends a lot of credit to your Mm -hmm. argument, right? That you're willing to find out the information that, and that you're willing to follow back up with them to get them the information and then actually follow back up. Like can actually yeah, do it. Don't just ghost them or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, actually share the information. Yeah. And I always say, I'm like, guys, I will leave the Catholic Church. I will leave the pro-life movement if you can prove to me that it's not truth. But I've done so much research on this. And I'm like, I cannot bring myself to find any reason not to be with it, you know, in the Catholic Church and in the pro-life movement and everything, because from everything I've seen, that is where truth lies. You know, we're valuing and dignifying all human life. And, um, and, and that's huge. And I, I, yeah, but if you can prove it to me, I'm open to listening. Exactly. But nobody's been able to prove it I mean, we want to follow truth. That's it. Right. Right. You know? And so there's people that are like, oh my gosh, I don't know how you're Catholic right now with like your Pope, your Pope is terrible. I don't know how you're Catholic. And I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not Catholic because of the Pope, right? Like I'm not Catholic because of certain bishops or priests or whatever. Like I'm Catholic because of Jesus and the Eucharist. That's why I'm Catholic. Right. So, Mm -hmm. and, and there's a lot of people that are becoming confused. And so they're like, well, I'm leaving, I'm leaving the church. And I'm like, but once you know that once you know, John six, right. Once you recognize that John six is true, once you, once you know that Jesus wasn't talking symbolism in John six, he was speaking actual truth. Where do you go? Where where else do you go? Once you know that Jesus Christ is 
holy and and fully body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, where do you go? You go to a church that teaches the Lord's Supper that the bread and, and grape juice is just a symbol of his body? That That's not going to give you the full, fullness that you know to be true. So where do you go? You know, and I think that's where a lot of people are, they feel confused. I think that's where a lot of confusion is coming from because so many people are looking for, they're looking for emotion in their worship. They're looking for a bunch of hype. They're looking for, you know, a bunch of smoke and, you know, a big praise team and they're looking for something that's going to elicit emotion. But if we really understand who Jesus is, if we really understand the Eucharist, if we really understand our faith as Catholics, that should elicit every emotion in our body when we walk up to receive the fullness of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. And that's the problem that we have right now. So many Catholics don't really understand the Eucharist and what it is and who it is and what it actually represents. And that's what we need to do as Catholics. That's what we need to do as young Catholics is really help people understand what is the Eucharist? Why are we Catholic? We're not Catholic because of emotion. We're not Catholic because of who the Pope is or who our bit, because we love our priests or because our parish is awesome or because we have donuts or whatever. That's not why we're Catholic, right? We're Catholic because of Jesus Christ and the Eucharist. And that's what so many Catholics are missing right now. They don't understand the real presence. That was really good. I appreciate that. It's also good. Like, yes, I'm a Catholic who goes to church every Sunday and I practice even my day-to-day life, but those reminders are so deeply needed because it's so easy to kind of become and like, not insensitive, but like desensitized. Cause like growing up, I did the, the, you know, the um, face the truth tour with my grandparents where we held signs of the victims of abortion. And it just, for a while, it stopped phasing me. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, you receive the Eucharist every Sunday, sometimes more. And, and, and you, and you stop realizing like, this is the real deal and having those reminders that like, no, this is legit. And this is, this is huge um, to our salvation is so, so needed. So well, and I think if we, I think, I think a lot of it is that like we've just lost the reverence for the Eucharist, you know. Yeah. Like, I think a I lot agree. of it is like even in our practice, like even even just in the practice of like how we receive the Eucharist, right? Like when I when I became Catholic, you know, it was like okay, well, when you receive the Eucharist, you hold your hand out, then you take it, and you, you know, and then I was like, wait a minute, like I. Why am and then I I saw some people like only receiving on the tongue right and I don't know how y'all receive but like I receive on the tongue okay Same. me too Same. so <laughs> I saw people like like only receiving on the tongue and I was like what's that about like I remember asking like what's that about and they were like well some people only receive in the tongue and I was like and then I became like really convicted and I was like oh my gosh like, how dare I like hold my hands out like what what is this why am I doing that like why did people right. teach me to do that like. Yeah. Why I'm not worthy to like hold my hands out to like touch Jesus Christ. Like what, what the heck? Why did somebody 
teach me to do that. Like, how <laughs> dare they do that? Right. Like, mm -hmm. and I was like, what in the world? Like, I don't, I don't want part of one little, little crumbs of Jesus on my hand. Like, I don't, I don't want that. Like, I don't want little particles of him on my hand. I want, I want like his full body to go directly into my body. Right. Like, I don't want any of that left on me. Like, but so much of that. And, and, and now like I watch people in my parish, like receive him and they're just so like flippant. Right. They're just like me, me, like, but you know, like, and they just, it's just the reverence is gone. And I think so much of it is just like, it's just in our culture, you know, yeah. we don't even realize what we're doing. We just shuffle up to the front. Let me take my wafer in my hand. Let me just shove it in my mouth. They don't even look at the cross. They don't even realize what they're doing. I agree. I, yeah, go ahead. And, and so I just think that. So much of it, I think, is just even in our form, how we present ourselves. You know, do we even look to the cross as we're receiving his body? Do we even realize what we're doing? Do we even think about the sacrifice that he made for us in that moment? You know? So I don't know. I just, I don't know. That's a hill yeah. I would die on. Like it's yeah. a, it's a big oh, deal. It's, oh no, I, I I it's refreshing hearing you say it because it's a hill I die on as well. Um, and um, there was this beautiful billboard in Poland, and uh, you know Poland being super Catholic and all that. Um, and it was a picture of like hands, and they were dirty. I'll see if I can find it and share it with y'all. Um, and they were dirty, and it was something like I am not worthy, and it was like kind of a a, a thing to you know push for people to receive on the tongue. And, you know, I grew up in a, in a more traditional Catholic church. And so it was just normal to just receive on the tongue. Um, but we didn't, I didn't really know why. Um, and then after seeing that, I realized like the things I do with my hands, I mean, yes, I work with my hands and everything like that, but like, they're not worthy to just have little particles of Jesus all over them. Like I'm, yes, I'm going to consume Jesus, but I don't want him falling on the ground or being washed down mm -hmm. the sink or anything like that. Like, no. So yeah, it's just so much better to just fully consume <laughs> yeah yeah and I think I think this all like this all ties back into going back to like truth and intentionality and I think that that's why we see so many young people flocking to more traditional yes. form, forms of the liturgy because you know once we find the truth it goes for the pro-life movement it goes for uh religion you know once you find the truth you want to find the fullness of the truth mm -hmm. so once you say oh abortion's wrong like you know and like third trimester because that's crazy it looks like a baby then you say well okay why isn't it wrong earlier and then you, you go all the way back to the fact that because human life begins at conception well once you start looking into the liturgy once you start looking into the catholic faith and you say well like this like like abby was saying you know this is kind of weird like why are we why are we um receiving with our hands then you say okay well you know why why is the priest facing us you know why let's let's look yeah. back to uh what what the history of the church is and so i think that there is so much it's it's getting to be really amazing to me how especially when i moved down here to florida all the young people go to the traditional mass mm -hmm. from all around you know it's like i was asking around when i first moved down here i was like where do you guys go to mass like let's get brunch afterwards thinking there was going to be a few different parishes around that like a lot of young people go to it's one parish it's one parish within like an hour drive for everyone it's one parish it's a traditional parish because that's where young people find the fullness of the truth and we don't want to waste our time on something that's you know maybe half you know half done or like when 
priests that like say things that that go against the Catholic faith. We we don't want to waste our time on that. And so I think that it really goes back to I don't know. It goes back to truth and intentionality in all forms. And when you start searching for truth in one area, it's going to translate to all the other aspects of your life. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's like kind of this like split dichotomy too um, among young people. So it's like, I don't know that there's, well, what I find anyway, is like there's young people who are like really hardcore, right? Like conservative, traditional young people. And then it's like, or you're really hardcore for immorality, crazy, (laughs) like whatever, right? Like I don't find there's a whole lot of young people that are like moderate, like in the middle. It's like you either walk around like half naked with like blue hair and you're (laughs) insane, like shaking your butt all the time, or like you're super like gotta make a TikTok living somehow. <laughs> you know, like it's like one or the other. It's like this crazy like dichotomy. Totally. I don't find there's a whole lot of people that are like, eh, whatever. Like mm-hmm. people live how they want to live. It's like people like pick a side. It's like young people are so polarized, like one or the other. And honestly, I think that's better. Like I, I would rather have like hot or cold than a bunch of people in the middle who are like apathetic, which I think that's how the boomers are. Like, I think the boomers are uh-huh. primarily like in the middle, kind of apathetic, like live how you want to live. Like, you know, you do you like, I think that's how a lot of them are. I think the young people are like very hot or cold. And I think mm-hmm. that's better because I think it's better to be passionate than to be completely dispassionate and just yeah. be apathetic and just be like complacent and just like oh yeah whatever yeah yeah because I think yeah. like I was very passionately pro-abortion right? right and I think it's easier to move the mind of someone who's passionate even if they're passionately the mm-hmm. other way agreed than yes. it is to move someone who is just in the middle because well, they apathetic. just don't care they just right they just so don't care they, either yeah, way they just don't care so it doesn't matter if you try and change their mind because they're still going to be like I don't care but again, right. if you have somebody who already has a personality of being passionate, just get them to be passionate for the right things. Right. And I think that's that's important to understand. Well, ladies, I think this conversation has been very, very beneficial and, and talked about a lot of different aspects that young people need to hear. So thank you both for yeah. that. I bet we could talk for 12 more hours, but I know and- we got schedules and everything. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sure that we're, there's going to be a lot of questions on the issues that we talked about in this episode. So feel free to DM us on Instagram, um, send us an email, uh, ask on Anchor or anything with any of your questions, and we'd be happy to answer them. Yeah, yeah, we'll do a little update episode eventually. So thank you guys. Abby, thank you so much for coming on. You mean the world of to course. us. Of course, yeah. Thank you so course. much for being on. And you guys, it's International Women's Day that we're recording <laughs> on. So happy International Women's Day to all of us who know what being a woman is. Yeah, to all the real women. <laughs> happy <laughs> International Women's Day. All the real women. That's so sad. <laughs> I know. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, thank you guys. Um, you guys have a good week. Everyone oh, have a good so. week. Bye. Stay classy. Yeah, stay classy. Yeah, stay classy. Off. <laughs> Bye. Bye.